Now live. Faz Radio Time. Faz all the time. You turn up the music. Can you hear it? Oh, I can hear it. Cut it off right at the beat. Oh, and I missed the beat. We're live! Faz Radio. Tonight. We're talking about stuff. Titans and things. Stuff and things. We got some stuff. I put a title in here that said, what was the title? Something about, can you actually work for a DAO? That's kind of a uh, an Easter egg for later if we have a surprise guest to show up, talk about a DAO. Otherwise, I'll just talk about it anyway. Uh, but we'll just talk about it less. <laughs> now, you were telling me just before the show, after I was talking about uh, vacations and, uh, and, and really uh, unsavory medical procedures... You're talking about, you're telling me that you've been reading all week long, very intently. Yeah, I mean, it. there's there's a, a lot of people who normally you don't have to, like, question their commitment to the cryptoverse, for lack of a better way to put it, who are starting to get really scared. And posting all this I I I don't I, I don't want to use the word fearful but posting unlike the way that they normally post and they're questioning things a lot more and they're asking um, interesting questions revolving around hey <clears throat> Is this actually going to last? Is the is the pressure from the SEC too much for this space to take this early? And I'm like, man, you know, it just never ceases to amaze me. It took a lot longer than I thought it would, but it's starting to have people question whether or not things are going to hang out. Were, were these people actually around for the past bear market uh, a lot of them like 16 17 from at least who i normally follow on these oh they came they they started crypto in 2016 yep and then there's a couple ogs who did bitcoin in eight nine and ten but well you know people uh it's good for ratings it's it's good for they, they 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 may not really care, but of course, you want people to listen. It's it's easier to get people to look at a car accident than it is to watch. I don't know a boring tennis match or something. <laughs> boring tennis match. Who watches tennis? Do people do well? People still watch it. There's a guy who tried to set himself on fire at the Federer, uh, Andre Federer, or whatever. And the guy who doing great things for tennis. Well, it. It's a, uh, that was the guy who refused to get the jab and got basically tossed out uh, of pretty much all the major, um, I, guess, I don't know what you call them, matches maybe? Oh, he was a player. He was an actual player. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they wouldn't let him go to the Australian Open, and and then he sets his yada, yada, himself yada. on fire. Okay, well that's the way no, no, waiting. he didn't. A guy from the stands start. He went and sat down, started slathering himself up with stuff, and started a little fire on the court. <laughs> and they they ran out he there and grabbed I. him and. Well, was it possible to grab him if he slathered himself up like that? Well, they didn't give him much of a chance. He got basically his neck and his arms done, and then they kind of hauled him off of there. There's a lot of protests, and I'm surprised that the MSM isn't following a lot of that. Well, let's, this is not the Titan Conspiracy Channel. We are no. talking crypto. Well, this this has the part of it has to do Lebanon closed their banks. They they've gotten people robbing the banks to get their own money out. Oh yeah, because, yeah, I heard about that. Robbing banks and they get they ask for just the amount that's in their account. <laughs> right. They're only robbing it for for what is theirs. But they had like in over 3 days, I think it was like 10 robberies. And so they they locked up every bank, shut down every bank, put armed guards everywhere, uh, and it's just absolutely insane. And then um, the the other part that ties into crypto with this Iran thing is that um, they're trying to set up people with crypto wallets over in Iran who want to get out. Because there is basically no communication. Everything's shut down there because of the riots that are going on. And the controversy thickens because Elon Musk, I guess, has decided to turn on his Starlink internet service. Oh, for free. Probably. Uh, yeah, to try and let people communicate. And they're trying to teach them how to download crypto wallets so they can get the money to get out of Iran if they want to. So there's all kinds of turmoil uh, going on. I guess the... Uh, British pound fell even further down to like 97 cents on the dollar. Oh my God. Yeah. It, uh, it, the financial world right now is just a complete train wreck everywhere. I, I was just watching, uh, I just saw a little clip from MSNBC uh, about some dude absolutely fucking wigging out over, uh, over the fact that uh, they're, you know, they think the Biden administration is going to screw up the economy or rather federal uh, federal chair Jay Powell. Um, I was like, well, I expect that from the other side. But now now you have both sides uh, screaming about it. And basically they're like, look, all this inflation that, that you're trying to combat with all these basis points that you're going up. Um, you guys you guys have addressed it. And. I, I, I actually don't have much of an opinion on that because I think the federal, the Fed system is basically just trying to support itself and support its own relevance. And of course, they're going to do that. They've, they've got to fix the, the, the money that they manage. And the only way they know how to fix it is to somehow make it more vi viable again. But so I, I, I still think that. The, the war for, for 
crypto replacing fiat isn't over. It's just begun. Just begun. The 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 part that really gets me is that there's some prominent people that are are really starting to question whether the Fed knows what they're doing. Um, I think they do know what they're doing and they're trying to minimize the damage, but it's going to be big. We, we printed, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars over the oh, last wait. six years. Did you make that announcement or did you forget? I'm no, I'm typing as I'm talking. That's why I'm talking so slow. Okay, well, I can keep going on about bullshit if you want. What, what do you want to, uh, call forged forged dow what do you want to call that for now forged dow huh what all right did you just reveal my if, surprise oh that i announced earlier thank you shit maybe maybe mm -hmm. okay possibly well, he, he, he probably won't be here anyway so anyway um i did want to talk about uh, a neat article i read about working for dow which is tangentially related and uh, if Forge was around later, then uh, he he can give some comments on it. Um, but not yet. All right. We we have other things to talk about first. Yeah. So I'm about to hit enter. Yes, I want to send now. Publish. All right. There we go. Just announcement has been announced. So, um. Yeah, my, my thought on fiat is that fiat is not going to go willingly. And uh, there's a, a, a nice uh, an interesting quote I heard from Brad Garlinghouse the last day or so where he was told that uh, the Fed will the, the, the Fed will fight for fiat. There'll be tanks in the streets before they before they give it up. So. The, the whole notion of crypto being for everyone uh, and, and being be, being money that is not controlled by a country is still uh, still pretty far out. Uh, the feds really, really, really don't like the fact that there is a, uh, a money that can manage itself. Because, well, if you if you have a fiat money system and you run out of money. You can print more, but if all your people rely on themselves regarding money, then what do you have? I mean, you can tax people, but you can't. It's kind of funny, you know. The the we we think that countries support themselves via taxes, but they also support themselves through not taxing you by devaluing their 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 money and playing games with the with their money and stuff like that. And it's to the point where they're pretty much convinced it's completely within their right to do that whenever they want. That's why crypto is a problem. It's, it's a total change in how that works. And even if crypto is around as, as something that, you know, is, is used by a minority that that can be a problem, especially if that minority gets rich from crypto. still there mr titan yeah i'm over here running my yip and i'm on mute um so it's scaring bigger people right so 
Jamie Dimon um, had just created a uh, talk, if you will, um, really putting, trying to put some FUD into Bitcoin and downplaying the whole crypto thing. Now, mind you, they're developing their own tokens at the same time, of course. Oh, so you're talking about the, the Jamie Dimon quote that, that's on the, the, the interwaves right now where he, where he totally rips crypto a new one. And then at the very end is like, you know, crypto's a Ponzi scheme. It's crap. It's this, it's that, it's the other thing. And by the way, you should use I am. Bitcoin. Yeah. So it, it's, I think you hit the nail on the head. They can't control it and they know that. And before people, or at least enough people realize that and realize the power that that creates when you can control your own tokens or your own coins and you don't need all the people that uh, make things work, but you can use that crypto to work with them instead of for them, it makes a huge difference. Well, and I, they say, I think at this point, between between the regulatory issues and all of these speeches by prominent people trying to downplay and scare people away, I think they're at the fight me phase at this point. And it it's coming to a head, and I think they're going to make an extra push, especially while this economy is down. Yeah. Um, so that actually, let's, let's bring that part up. Cause I was just reading today. I was actually reading yesterday or the day before about the CFTC lawsuit against a DAO. And of course the whole idea of a DAO is it's a decentralized organization. You can't go after individual officers of, of a DAO or sorry of a, you go after a company and you might go after the individual officers of a company or something like that. But a DAO is more decentralized than that. You can have a million people voting. And uh, this lawsuit actually targeted the people, if I'm not mistaken, targeted the people that were voting. Uh, the voters. I did not see that. Yes, just look up CFTC lawsuit lawsuit against Uki DAO. Uki. Um, now, apparently they were likely doing something wrong. Uh, to, to get away from being regulated. But the uh, but the point is, I got to find that article. I sent it to you in chat, dude. I don't think I it's, saw that. Chat. Oh, no. Maybe maybe you didn't. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Stay right there. <laughs> Do you know what you're doing? Of course. All the time. Just uh -huh. world that's catch up with my brain. CFTC files lawsuit against decentralized autonomous organization. Let me uh, paste this in your chat window. And then later we'll have to put this. Why don't I just put this in chat here? Have a chat. Great idea. No viewers commenting right now. They're all having fun. Well, we, we got started a little late and tonight was my fault. All your fault. Uh, Again. Yeah, no, well, my kids had an event and uh, I had to be there for that. I got to be a dad. I can't just be a, a podcaster right. all the time. We, we we work for large amounts of free every week. Right? So. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is this is amazing. 
So if you click on that, you'll see that they, they, they went after, or at least they're starting to name individuals in the DAO. And this becomes problematic um, because that means if you, if you were to join a DAO, you're opening, you, you could theoretically open yourself up to some sort of backlash by the government. Well, the, the narrative, as I read through this, the narrative seems to be following Gensler's latest statement because the quote that I have here in that, in that article you sent, during the, the relevant period, multiple Ukidal members have resided in the United States and conducted Ukidal business. So they're trying to say that because they, they were in the U.S., the U.S. has jurisdiction. Is really what they're saying, I think. Huh. Well, they're they're going to, they're going to find ways to, to get in there. Anyway, the the head of the CFTC actually dissented against this very thing. Where, where's that at? It's not actually listed here. I think. Let me find another link that I had. You know that is dangerous, and and I think this could be the same thing that the ripple case is based on is they're just throwing shit up against the wall to see if they can get some kind of precedent set to move forward. So they're just going to pick some weak links or what they feel are weak links, try and get a win out of it so that potentially they can just start citing that and trying to get more wins down the road. Well, the CFTC was, the uh, the people that I think all the anti Gary Gensler people wanted to kind of oversee crypto, and here they're doing exactly the same thing. They simply ser serve a a uh, a lawsuit right up out of the blue. Uh, this one seems to have been settled already. Uh, I sent you a second article there. Let me send it to everyone else here. Ba -ba -ba -ba. And basically, the, uh, like, like the head of the CFTC is like dissenting that what they just did, which is a little weird. I, I it's it's like they can't even decide what the fuck they want to do. Well, they okay. So falling in line with that, there's people I'm sure at the CTFC that want to be like Gensler and just regulate by enforcement, and they want to come out showing a strong, hard press into this space. And the whole reason the CTFC was to be involved is to avoid that kind of SEC, you know, hammer first kind of approach. And it kind of defeats the purpose, I think, because all it's going to do is set the U.S. back because the rest of the world is going to move forward, whether the U.S. does or not. And it's going to make it increasingly more difficult Um for companies to innovate here, for companies to utilize the technology that's available. And I, I don't think that's a good thing. I think they need to find a way to embrace it um, and work with each other on trying to come up with some kind of consensus in the middle where both sides can be happy. I think what you what they really got to do is convince people that they're not going to lose any power while they're losing power. Or at least keep the appearance up. Well, that's the thing. Uh, 
they're they're the 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 the, the current order is being upset and nobody knows how it's gonna it's gonna hash out ha i see what you did there oh hash out huh wow that mountain air gave you a a weird dad joke sense of humor all of a sudden anyway <laughs> so we had some other subjects to talk about well, I, I did read through the article that you did send me the one um, on working for a DAO and the steps that one would take if they wanted to work for a DAO and make it work. It sounds like a lot of interning at first, though. Interning for what? It sounds like a type of interning to get yourself established. Oh, as um, working, working at a DAO, you mean? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the thing. It's it's a it's a really new concept, uh, which is basically fire your boss. Everybody's in charge, and isn't it kind of like that sometimes when when you when you work in a regular job? I mean, the boss tells you what you need, and then everybody just kind of figures it out anyway. Uh, it's just that damn hierarchical system seems to make some people more right than others, even when they're not right. So. Uh, I think it's, if done right, can be something a bit more welcome, or it could be just a fad. Well, you're you're going to have a hierarchy regardless, right? So in the DAO, there's going to be factions that are going to band together. They're going to wiggle Is, into whatever. Are, fact are factions really a hierarchy, though? In a way, because if your faction's big enough, it'll dominate the other ones. So you need to. So that's that's a good question, um, because that's how the world works. There's there's a lot of things in this world that we'd like to do different, but it really depends on who's in charge, what factions in charge, and so on. And I think uh, Americans have this illusion of freedom. I, I like to I like to to uh, to bust your butt on that whole illusion of freedom. Like when you told me the other day that you could spend your money however you want. I, I laughed at you. <laughs> it It is an illusion for some things, for a lot of things. Oh, for the things that they don't care about. I mean, if, if you're, well, everything, anything. You, you want to buy cigarettes? It's it's an illusion there too, because as long as you're, you're buying from, you know, the right companies, the companies that they're regulating and the companies that are in charge, then then you're fine. If you started buying cigarettes from another company, the wrong companies, or a different kind of cigarette, I don't know, like <clears throat> weed, then that's a whole new set of companies. And then, you know, the traditional companies are going to have a problem with it. Yeah, it it's a system of politics and a system of favors and the regulation, the sharing of profits and... What's going to line whose pocket with how much? And okay. that's that. That's how everything kind of works. There's no doubt about it. So is working at a DAO just going to be politics all the time? In order to get anything done, you're going to have to just push your idea across. And that's going to be hell. People hate politics. That's why most people, you know, prefer the, the lower end jobs. Because it's usually middle management that starts with all the politics, right? Yeah. And it depends on the size of the organization, too. If you have a very small DAO 
I'm sure it wouldn't be um, anywhere near like a big DAO. And uh, you mean if you're if you're not making a lot of money, that is. Well, and no, well, it it depends, right? So there are there's a lot of people who who want to have the feeling as though they have power, like a governance vote or something like that, but really don't want to. They want to just follow along and be a part of something bigger than they are. And if they see one group is kind of getting their way, one little faction there, they may just join that for the sake of joining that and being part of the popular crowd. The beauty in that, though, is that it can switch and there can be um, ways of getting things changed a little bit differently because unlike in politics where they're all getting paid by these corporations to just kind of push forward whatever the agenda that these corporations have, nobody's getting paid outside of that DAO or at least shouldn't be getting paid outside of the DAO to have those influences pushing an agenda that's kind of crappy. I mean, I suppose you could have it, but it would be more difficult, I would imagine. All right. I decided to share my screen with that article we were looking at. Oh, toss cool. Your, toss your job, make 300K working for a DAO. It, uh, it, 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 it's a lot, it's a lot like an intern, right? It's kind of like being a partner in a law firm. So you, you do the grunt work for a long time, you get yourself a following, and then suddenly um, you end up with some power and some influence. And at that point, you can become a part of that DAO and take that governance to a different level. That's the way I understood what I was reading. Um, those layers, uh, I wonder if they have some kind of, how do I want to put it, some kind of privilege maybe that, um, <clears throat> what's the carrot? What's the carrot there to be uh, part of a, a DAO leadership or uh, working for a DAO? That's what I don't understand. Maybe you know more about that. I think the carrot probably is to get around the existing ways of doing things. If you have a decentralized organization, um, it's hard for the feds to go after one specific person. And, you know, if everybody wants it, then it must be okay. Um, and then there's the, the, the concept that organizations take a lot of resources to run. You can, you can have people join up and become part of the DAO. Uh, to, to, to help you run things. Uh, I would say it's maybe a, a company with, with, a, with an ongoing venture capital kind of situation. Um, I have a feeling that the whole concept is still sussing itself out. And this is, this is where I was hoping to bring uh, Nate Harper or Forged in Crypto in to, to get a sense of what he thought, because that's... Uh, uh, he's he's just announced the startup of a DAO recently. Yeah, that um, that's intriguing to me as well because uh, I've been flirting with trying to learn more about those, but of course it always falls further down on my uh, radar because shiny things catch my attention more. Now, th there's um, a part that I'm leaving out, 
which is a lot of people like to mention the whole democratic aspect of it, which honestly, I doubt. Um, I don't feel that DAOs are, <laughs> well, let's just say as democratic as ancient Rome, because ancient in ancient Rome, the landowners were the ones that voted, not the, not the population. So do we mean democracy or where each person gets a vote or we, uh, or, or do we mean the kind of tra classic traditional democracy, which is the more of a stake you have in something, uh, the more votes you get? Well, my understanding is that a DAO is the bigger stake you have, the more votes you have. And it would depend on how, how your DAO is set up. But the whole goal is to get people involved and give each of those people a vote. I'm wondering, well, I'm wondering how people are going to hack that concept just like they hack companies. I mean, you can go in and 51% attack a company and then, you know, get on its board and then have, have a overriding vote power for all the decisions. Tell me that there's not a way in a DAO to do the same thing. Well, it, it would depend on how it's set up, right? So you can set it up any way you want. And it could be one token is one vote or however many tokens you have is that many votes. And I think people, well, if depending you, well, on if their... Sell, if you sell all your tokens to, I don't know, a rich person, then they control the vote. So you got rich and they have control and they buy control for as long as they have it and need it and want it. They get what they want out of the DAO, then they sell their stuff out to somebody else who's left holding the bag. So, I mean, if you if you start going that way, you're going to have to get really creative about your your how, how your DAO runs. And that's the danger. It it works like any other. It turns into a centralized a CAO at that point. No, you mean like a business because businesses are the same way <laughs> or they are that way. So I'm, I'm curious how they run in practice and. What what makes me worry is that it is a fad, you know, maybe maybe 20 years from now, people say, well, for 10 years, people tried to make DAOs work, but then they always wound up going this direction. They always wound up getting some some dude controlling the DAO. It was the dude who brought in the most work or the dude who uh, had the most money. You know, it's going to be somebody. Um, it was the dude who who hacked their algo and got their mo got the most coins. Then he drove it into the ground. Or, or you know, the the dude who bought them out, sold them to some such and such, sold them to big company. That's that's what. There, there's going to be a lot of politics I, I, when 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 you have mutual ownership of things. I mean, you're going to have a lot of politics. So, is it really just saying, okay, get rid of your boss, and then you can you can pick up a lot more politics now? Sounds like more stress, not less. Well. I think that's what we're what we're all exploring together here. Um, it it makes me wonder. I, I think you would probably it would almost have to have that that white paper kind of look to it, where they describe exactly how it's set up and who can obtain power over uh, controlling votes and and all that. I mean, then it starts then who, it starts coming about becoming about management of power. How is the power going to get managed? Okay, who's going to be able to retain their control and how long can they retain it? Well, how long do they want to retain it, right? So they can, you can rug a DAO just like you can rug anything else. 
Well, that um, could self-rug itself. <laughs> it could do that too. I mean, people um, right now, the, the reason they say a lot of lot, most businesses fail in the United States is because people take businesses and intentionally rug the business so that the, the business can take the fall. It's not, it's not like they have a, a, a bad business plan. It's, Hmm. What can I, what can I do to absorb this loss? Oh, start a business. Oh, look, I just got some, some tax breaks for this. Woohoo. Well, it depends also on what's invested in that doubt, right? So there's, there's certain people that'll put more assets in there. I mean, is the goal of the doubt to get as much, as many assets built up as possible for a specific reason? Like uh, there was talk about a year ago, with Gala and putting together uh, a DAO to, you know, buy all the land up or to, to buy a Citadel or anything like that. Or the Citadel. DAO could simply be. Um, a Citadel. A DAO, would, a DAO would basically run the Citadel. And, right. You know, because the Citadel is going to have, in the case of, if you're talking about Mirandus, um, Citadel is going to have a lot of shops in it and, you need people to run those shops. You got they. You're going to be charged. Everybody's going to be paying rent to somebody. If they're paying it to the DAO, maybe the DAO can encourage uh, more players to come to that that castle citadel. Um, but then again, again, who's in charge of of even that one? That the, the guy with the most shops. I mean, so Ray Kroc, the the guy who runs runs, runs McDonald's, can own your town just by having most uh, you know a franchise. Uh, especially in the beginning of the game. I think after a while, the game will mature and, and get around that. But I, I see lots of shenanigans where it's like, oh, well, okay, well, you can't do that. But but if you're a member of the DAO, you, if you're a member of the DAO with the most Materium, you get more votes. Okay, well, then you're just going to go quickly. People are going to race to earn as much Materium as possible. It's going to it's going to be really interesting to see how the guilds and, and if there is DAOs, and I'm sure there'll be DAOs with guilds and guilds with DAOs, how that will play out. And if it will, do you think it could destroy the fun of the game? Okay. So that's, that's another question. Um, there's a lot of games out there with a lot of po political intrigue as it is. People like political intrigue. Uh, they, they will get in, in these online games just so that they can be in that kind of bullshit. Now, of course they'll have their, their groups. Groups will will start and form and, and fall apart and reform because people want different influences in the game. The difference is when you bring play to earn to it, now it's real money. Real money means real intrigue, which means I not only hate Titan, I really fucking hate Titan. Titan, Titan just lost me $300,000 and I'm going to take his ass to court. Can Dow help me out with that? <laughs> well, okay. So, what let me let me throw some additional context in there right so you have these it and i'm just using mirandus as an example because most people who listen to faz radio have some kind of association with with gala right so let's assume there's a dao right and this dao throws together a couple of villages a couple of towns and you know, a ton of shops and everything else, right? And so this politics is playing out and all these these rich landowners are playing their politics. And here comes Herbert Schmeckel, 
who is a, a a guy who works at the local gas station and he wants to get in and, and grind his way up to do things. Are all these political shenanigans going to prevent or limit the fun that Herbert has when he joins the Mirandus world? I would guess, and, and I'm going to use uh, franchises here again, I guess it would be a lot like I don't know, uh, growing up and getting a job in the 1920s versus growing up and getting a job in the 2020s. The 2020s, you're probably going to work for, you know, some conglomerate. <laughs> um, not so in the, in the 1920s. I think at Mirandus at first, they're not going to have a lot of that stuff figured out. So Herbert Schmeckel might be able to, <laughs> the name, um, Herbert might be able to go do just about anything. He could start his own store. He could work his way up to, to buying a second store. And then he can, he can, you know, do some adventuring on the side and he can get a lot done. That is until a bunch of groups pay to earn player guilds start coming up. And uh, they did say in Miranda's that they're going to have support for guilds. So it might be that only guilds can get certain things. Or maybe the, that only guilds have the, uh, the amount of money to buy certain things like, a cemetery, which is which is where you uh, reincarnate. Uh, you know, you're going to die in the game. You need to reincarnate. But, oh, shit. Fred Flintstone Dow, they happen to have all the cemeteries. You're going to have to work with Fred. Period. Uh, that is until, you know, uh, the, the game goes further and further and further. And my question is, well, there's there's a couple of questions there. One, how is the, the developers of Mirandus going to, to deal with monopolies, <laughs> guild monopolies? They're just going to invent something else, like a, a quickie mark kind of cemetery to where it just works for a while. And that way you can you can counterbalance the, the Fred Flintstone cemetery conglomerate. Um, you know, so fun, fun is very subjective. It could be fun. It could be fun just working around that kind of bullshit. But if you just want to just come and just play the game, you're not going to care who's running anything. It's like right now, uh, if, if you want to buy a pair of glasses in the United States, you might not care who you get the glasses from until you realize that glasses are owned, uh, basically monopolized by a single company in the world named Luxottica. Uh, Luxottica owns all the, all the, the eyeglasses in the world. Well, like 99.9% of them. So you didn't have any problem buying eyeglasses before then, but if you know that it's a monopoly, now you kind of do have a problem with it. So Herbert Schmeckel probably wouldn't have a problem playing the game until he real until he got dicked over the 50th time. Maybe he said the wrong thing in, in a, in a, uh, a Dow owned tavern. And now he's not allowed in any tavern until he, he changes his ways. He can either change his ways or find another game. In which case, so let's let's hope that it be, it doesn't become that unfun. But that's that's what it, what it could be. Uh, well, Robert, that if, if he started me. if he started realizing that there was a uh, a monopoly on on certain things, he might never even want to play the game. So I would think that you might not even want to advertise that you own half the land in the fucking game. Well, and and that. I've talked about this, golly, going back almost a year. And it, it you have to have a ton of 
grinders playing that game, right? You have to have a lot of new people in there. And if there is, if there are large entities like that, that are cornering markets on things and making things ridiculously expensive and making it too difficult for the people to grind their way to realistically at some point owning something, of of substance, meaning um, a homestead or anything like that, something close to it, because we know that the history shows that, hey, these these homesteads are are worth uh, two ETH, right? But if they release another one, they call it something different. Instead of a homestead, they call it a a home track. They're going to price that in line most likely with the homesteads. So well, now you're, not, you're, you're not talking about DAOs in this case, you're talking about the game makers. I'm well, so, so I think here's, here's what I've noticed. This is something I was going to bring up uh, the last time we talked about Mirandas. And I, I think we ran out of time. Everybody that talks Mirandas now, I think is talking into a, very, very boxed in room because they're talking as though it's just going to be the people who own these NFTs today that they're going to be playing with. <clears throat> they, they, they can't run their operation, whatever, whatever their, their businesses are going to be based on the other players who own it in the game. Because if they do, they will end up locking out the masses from adopting this game. And as you know, gamers talk like there's no tomorrow. And if it gets around that it's impossible, hey, I've been grinding for nine months and I still can't even afford uh, a basic NFT or it's too, I can't play the game because the the prices to, to rent a uh a room to get sleep and recharge my character are out of my reach. That's a, that's a serious problem because then if players aren't playing all these people who own all the, the land and, and the shops, they're not going to get any new revenue or as much as they could. Well, it, it, it benefits the developer to make that possible. I, I don't think that it will, that will be a problem. I think what, what would be the problem is, certain things in the game might be unattainable or hard to attain. Uh, it was said with Mirandas that, you know, if you're going to have a rare sword, the sword will indeed be rare. It's not, it's not that you get a rare class of sword or a rare type of sword where everybody can get this rare sword. It's going to be, there's only three of them. And the problem with, with that way of doing things is guess who's going to own that sword? Probably a, a guild or a DAO or a DAO that is a guild. Um, if, uh, you'll, you'll be able to, to get a place to sleep, you'll get a, you'll, you'll have the ability to, to play, do just about everything you want in the game. But if you want to get that sword, good fucking luck. <laughs> well, but do you see what I'm saying? That is going to be a turnoff to a tremendous amount of players. Yeah. Um, so I would bet that's, that's where politics would come in there and, and would try to solve it. There, are, there are DAOs and player guilds right now forming 
to enable players to have more access. I know that uh, John T. Gemini is, is very interested in making it so that the average player can get non-average things. Um, and, you know, and I know that the, that the uh, players Dow provisional name that's uh, that Nate Harper has been talking about is trying to get players hooked up with NFTs. So there's, there's going to be options out there. And, and just like, Google and Facebook fight for your eyeballs. They give you lots of, you know, Google give, gives you free email and, and free storage space and free plays, uh, free, free music play, uh, free music players. And they give you all sorts of free things because they want your eyeballs and they want your eyeballs because they sell your data. Well, then there's the data that will be sold in these games too. But um I think guilds and DAOs, uh, group, user group DAOs, will want to encourage players to be hooked up with with NFTs. So I don't see that as being a problem. I don't think people will want to quit a game just because they can't get one of three magical swords. I think they'll just be pissed that a, a group or a DAO owns that sword. Um, it maybe maybe the group or the DAO makes it easy for you to get to, but if you have three swords. How is it going to be easy to get to if there's 100,000 people? What, what's it going to be a lottery? I mean, what, what does easy to get to mean? You're still not going to get the sword. You're, if you have to wait and turn for six years to be able to, to use that sword, it's still a limited quantity. So there's, I think there's going to be a game that everybody plays, and then there's going to be a game that big boys play, just like in real life. And so you're going to see uh, DAOs and user groups uh, doing all this palace intrigue where Hey man, did you hear what happened to the the, the, the you know this this uh, the Faz's barren town? Oh my God, it's uh, John now owns it. How did he get? It? I don't fucking know how he got it. He just got it. And Faz is all pissed too. It's like he didn't even want to sell it. it did he get threatened? Well, what, what, what do you say on Faz Radio? You know, there, there's going to be all sorts of people talking about shit like that. That in itself is a game. It it makes me worry though about the amount of players that need to be adopted to make this work, and these these conglomerates, whether it's the players DAO or whatever guild, you know, John's you know guild <clears throat> owning everything. That that I think is still going to be another hoop somebody has to has to go with and and what if they just want to come in and play so and do do it on their own well you have these huge conglomerates against one guy uh, who is going to have a lot of difficulty continuing to to enjoy the gameplay when all this intrigue is going on that that, okay. that is a concern in the real world right now if you wanted to, to buy yourself alcohol cigarettes uh sweets weed whatever there's a store for you you can go and and spend your hard-earned five dollars a day on any goddamn thing you want what you don't know that's going on is what's going behind going on behind the scenes how did that weed shop get its zoning figured out how did how did that grocery store score all that chocolate, you know, <laughs> whatever, or or that beer? Well, it used to be that uh, back in the Midwest, that uh, grocery stores couldn't sell any alcohol on Sundays. Now they can. 
um, you know, the Lord's Day. So, uh, but now they can't. So there's some there's some backroom deals to 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 enable that from happening, enable that to happen. What if uh, so the same thing? You're playing a game and and you know that uh, such and such town never has a tavern in it. All of a sudden, it has a tavern. Well, it's kind of not up to you to care. You're just happy that there is one. I mean, aren't you happy when when the new like superhero movie comes out? It's like, yeah, they got my superhero out. You know, he has his own movie. Yay. I, I, I hated the other superheroes. I like this one. You really don't care. You're just glad that somebody did it. So <clears throat> same thing. I mean, you're going to be like, hey, now, now if I if I become a member of this guild, every Thursday I'll be able to get to use one of their rare swords. That's cool. In the, So you're, yeah. otherwise you'll just never play with it and you'll have fun doing other things in the game. Going, you know, attacking Minotaur caves and killing Minotaurs and being resurrected in someone's cemetery that you have to pay. But at least there's a cemetery there. You don't care. You just want to play the game. So, you know, I'm big on perspectives, right? So let's let's take the table and turn the perspective around a little bit. How do you think Gala approaches what what what's happening with these guilds and these DAOs and uh, how that affects how they're going to attempt to balance that game. Do you think that they'll be working against or together with these DAOs? Well, first of all, Gala has stated that they that they like the idea of making uh, of adding support for guilds into Mirandus and their their other games. Uh, it's to their benefit and everyone's benefit if uh, these these games have guilds because it shows that there's enough interest in these games um, or that there is a fair amount of interest in these games and the guilds will help market these games. They'll, they'll try to get new members to, to set people up to play these games. So I think, uh, I think a, a game maker like Gala games is going to love having DAOs and guilds and, and gaming groups uh, playing their games. Why wouldn't they? They, if, if you're worried about them losing control, um, they can change the rules of this game at any time they want. If, the, if, if cemeteries are all off the market because some some guild owns all the cemeteries, they can say, OK, guild, you either make these more available or we just invent a new kind of cemetery. Well, I'm not. Uh, my question was more along the lines of. Do you think it will be that that head-to-head -head battle where Gala is trying to um, outwit or outsmart the DAOs, or do you think that the the Gala will work with those DAOs to try and you mentioned support, but not so much support the DAO or the guild, but do you think they'll be supporting the new players coming in, or do you think they'll be supporting the DAOs? Both. I, I think I think it would be in Gala's best interest to to get a user set up and playing the game and into having fun as quickly as possible. Um, as as far as a a DAO or a gaming group uh, helping with the game, they're going to probably try to address something that Gala Games is not currently doing. If Gala Games starts doing it, then they'll just address another area. I don't know, maybe you need a vehicle in that game, and Gala doesn't give you a vehicle right away. Uh, then 
the DAO would provide that vehicle. So the, the DAOs are definitely the, 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 the gaming DAOs that we're talking about. DAOs and gaming groups are definitely going to be wanting to fill whatever hole is in uh, Gala Games' approach at starting users out. There's a lot of these questions that, you know, I, I've been thinking about lately. I'm watching, and I saw you make a couple of comments on the gaming side of things lately on Twitter and in Discord. It's it's kind of changing. This, this whole play-to-earn thing is going out the window. Nobody knows if it's going to work. The play-to-own, you know, how this is all going to shape up. And... I, I I wonder if having that real money being spent and being earned one way or another is going to to end up being the sticking point while the why why these things don't take off it huh. How do I describe it? So we've had the discussion about traditional gamers and they don't like it because of that uh, way to buy yourself to the top almost instantly. Yeah, it's called pay um, to win. Well, yeah. So you have that aspect of it. Plus, the other side of that, the second biggest on that pie chart that we posted that day, was uh, they what they don't want is the distraction of earnings, right? And and this ties right into to Gala's biggest problem, the, the Roy boys, right? So uh, it takes the fun away from the game and focuses it on the money. So there's there's like these huge hurdles, the, the adoption, the um, different style of gameplay, the, uh, the money aspect of it. Do, do you think that a really good game could possibly be held back from being a complete and awesome success because traditional gamers just won't play it? Uh, maybe. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of gamers out there. And when you say traditional gamers won't play, won't play it, um, Gamers of a certain age are might not play a game because they dislike how the company is doing things. Uh, a lot of people don't like electronic arts, for example. Um, are there millions of people, millions of other people that play the games? Yeah, your mother-in-law play, plays. You you might play her Donkey Kong game and, and enjoys it thoroughly. She's not going to give a shit what people think about electronic arts. If if you're there, there are billions of people in this world. Um, <clears throat> you can certainly have a game that has a bad rap. Um, if it makes mainstream television or something like, you know, these, these people are, are real asshats, then, then yeah, I could say, see it. But um, I mean, if, if you're a gamer, you, you could, you could certainly be picky, but I, I, I don't, I don't think that, all the consumers of the games are going to be able to, to get on the, the, the same page. Uh, that said, uh, Gala Games working with gaming groups, uh, that's a good idea because now you have people that can help them out. They could say, hey, gaming groups, tell us what you, what the biggest beef 
that that your players have. Well, that's good. That you can get people to to uh, give you feedback right away. They could do it themselves, and or they can ask these gaming groups to help them. So, as far as pay to win, that has been a problem for at least the last 10, 15 years, due to realities of games. It costs money to make these games. It's, this is not like the 1980s where you can go buy yourself an Atari cartridge for $20, $30, or $40. And then you play the cartridge and you're like, wow, that one was real good. Okay, well, let's go get another one. Um, <clears throat> the biggest problem that Atari games had was trying to top their previous... How do you top Pac-Man? Uh, Miss Pac-Man? Well, I, actually, Miss Pac-Man was not made by the people who made Pac-Man. They were, they were uh, made by a totally different company who modify Pac-Man boards. And then of course that company bought them. But um, you know, you're, you're, if, if you only have a brand that consists of a single game, you're going to have a hard time. Uh, That's why, what I like about Gala games approach, they have a number of different games, but if, if you're talking about how, a, how a game become can become more popular or, or if you're worried about its popularity, every game is having, Oh, I lost my track, my, my train of thought there. Every game is going to have this problem. Um, it costs money to make these games. It costs hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars to make a good, expansive game that people will enjoy and play for a long time. You can't just sell a game for $50 or $100 and, and pay for the game. It's going to run out as, as your, your audience discovers it. And somebody, I mean, you could, if you buy a game and you hold it for nine years and you play it for nine years, who's, what, you want more stuff in that game? They're going to make it for free? No, things cost money. So that's why you get all this, this downloadable content. You get all these things in the game that you, you can buy. You got all these stupid hats and, and, and other crap that people, that they sell you because they're just trying to get the money to, to make more of the game. Or, or continue the fleshing out the game as far as how good the game is or how good that they, they, they flesh it out. That's, that's up to them, but um, that, that's a different problem, but these things still take cost money. So to me, pay, pay to win is really just pay, pay to keep your game around. So I wanted to ask this on the, last DAO cast that we did. And again, we kind of ran out of time. Stay that for the DAO cast, sir. But okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Well, I want, I'll ask you this. And if Nate joins us either tonight or another night, I'll try and remember to bring it up. Because I was trying to tie it all back in. And then I went a little off track and had you answering goofy questions uh, for, for that. But for you, right? What is attractive about a DAO to you over just playing a game? Well, okay, so I'm assuming you're talking about a DAO that's dedicated for gamers? Yeah, that's kind of where I was going to take that because of the player's DAO, right? Okay. Um, so, so why? Why would you be interested in doing something like that? Well, a gaming DAO, just by its just by its definition, would would probably make it so it's easier for you to do things when you're gaming. If you want to join a DAO, uh, maybe you'd like to either help provide or help profit 
from uh, that kind of thing. You want more things in the game? Maybe you can rent it from the Dow. Uh, you know, and if and and if you're if if you want to be able to rent that magic sword, and you know that this Dow has it, you can rent it from the Dow. You'd have to join their little group, and then you'd maybe even be part of it. Um, you you can make use of that sword. Maybe then you could then find and create and craft more things in the game and provide back to the Dow and and. and improve their offerings to everyone else. Does one have to choose a DAO or can they be a part of four different gaming DAOs? Well, I, I think you're presupposing a specific way that these things are going to be set up. Um, I'm, well, I'm, again, I'm asking questions. I'm trying to learn about these DAOs, especially this player's DAO. Well, there's, there's DeFi DAOs. There's, there's, you know, uh, crypto DAOs. There's, you know, coins. Uh, and of course, gaming kind of DAOs. I mean, you can just call them corporations. You could have a, a, a corporation that that does DeFi or a corporation that does gaming. The you could join a corporation or not join, but you can get an account at a corporate website that is geared toward getting you the NFT that you want, and you can rent it. And you know that paying that corporation would would make sure that you get it in the future. A lot of people have their favorite companies that they like to, uh, to to buy things from, and they'll even pay more for these companies. I mean, like Nike or or, or you know Nike shoes or or I don't know, whatever. You like well, those shoes? You so, only buy Nikes because you love Nike, or maybe you maybe you like a, a boutique shoe company, and and you only buy from that boutique shoe company. You're supporting that company, so no, I I get that part, but like like. If if I were to join four different DAOs that's in that gaming space, you know, how how does that how does that look to the DAO? I mean, is that I think you have four different you, opportunities to, uh, to to rent stuff. That'd be awesome. I yeah, it's a good idea. Join four different DAOs. Okay. I mean, if unless the the DAO has rules saying if you join us, you you, you can't you can't play with other DAOs or something. This is how we make things exclusive. But well, that's what I'm that's what I was getting at. So, you know, it because they're decentralized, okay, and and, and again, I don't want to start an argument on decentralization, but because they're decentralized like that, you know, is 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 that the right thing to do to limit people to one DAO? Or uh, to me, that's very centralized. If you're going to ask people to only, you know, provide loyalty to one DAO. Well, I just gave that as a possibility. I have no idea. I mean, it's it's it it wouldn't seem to me that being a member of a specific DAO would prevent you from being a member of another com uh, another DAO. That's like saying if you're a member of one company, you're not allowed to be a member of another. Well. Companies do that. They do that with their competitors. If the DAO felt like it had a competitor, that if you joined them, that that would be a problem, then they might give you that choice. Interesting. A, a DAO is just a new type of company that's that's been formalized <laughs> in the, the last few years. And I think the state of Wyoming is is one of the first states to support that new type of company. Wyoming is huge on on crypto. They're trying to be the the 
crypto state. They have a couple of banks. I think Kraken opened their Kraken Bank or is in process of opening their Kraken Bank there. Very, very uh, crypto friendly. So because it's a new type of company, uh, who knows how, how this new type of company is going to govern it uh, or is going to how it's going to work. Uh, it might be that DAOs work a certain way for a while until it's determined that that doesn't work. And then you see all of a sudden all the DAOs are switching to another way of doing things. Um, the, the fact that you mentioned joining multiple DAOs being a problem, I would think if well, you I, I was to- asking, I wasn't saying it's a problem. I'm, I'm asking is that well, is, is that something that a from your experience, at least, would that be a problem? If your DAO depended upon secrecy and and you you chose to share those secrets with multiple DAOs, maybe maybe that's a problem. As far as um, DAOs uh, being a member of multiple DAOs, period. Uh, my understanding is that people that there are a number of people that are members of hundreds of DAOs at once, so it right. might not be a problem. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm trying to learn this because it it's really interesting. What I heard on the last uh, Dowcast there, I mean, this this being so new and and it's kind of exciting. Could could a Dow, let's say let's say there's you know you you have this this core group of Dow people, and the Dow opens up to the masses and the masses come flooding in. Could they rally troops together to get the to vote on governance to close the DAO? I would personally say a DAO is like any other company. It just has a different structure in it. The DAO, a DAO could do anything that any company uh, w- could decide. So if a company wants to dissolve itself for whatever reason, so could a DAO. But uh, could, the, could the members of the DAO force the DAO to close? If they had enough votes, that is. If, the, if they're... If their voting structure allowed that, why not? I kind of like this DAO thing. It's just it a, sounds like it could be a lot of fun. Well, the, the the DAO concept, like I said, it's 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 a concept. It's not it's it's not a uh, a specific business set of rules. I mean, each DAO would have its own rules. You could you could have your your DAO only only allow Miranda's players. Call it the Miranda's DAO. Um, could this DAO ever change its rules to allow Townstar players? Maybe so. Uh, I mean, it's it's up to them. That's kind of cool. Have we doubted ourselves to death here? Are we well endowed, do you mean? <laughs> uh, see, I told you about them dad jokes. I, th- I think you just want more dad jokes so you can feel good about yourself. I tell dad jokes at work all day long, and they love it. Those youngsters, they, they get a kick out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what all dads think. They laugh. I don't know if they're laughing at me or uh, with me. Though. Out of pity. Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> okay, so, so you let's let's move on to another subject. Because yes. uh, you wanted to say, I had a couple things I wanted to talk about, but you mentioned something about Ledger. Yes, and I will try and be brief, but I'll probably trigger you. 
And and well, no, it won't be a trigger uh, like like a bad thing. But I have a feeling you'll have a lot to say about you'll get, this. You'll get me to share a piece of my mind. Let's yeah, hope. well, yeah. So I just listened to a podcast today, okay? And in that podcast, they were talking, and I want to get his name right. I, I left myself a note. In, Would it be in Pascal Gauthier? Gauthier, yes, Pascal Gauthier. He is the CEO of Ledger, okay, the hardware wallet. And he was talking, and the conversation suddenly took a very alarming uh, turn. And his he made some assertions, and he says he it's on Ledger, the Ledger site, the documentation about it, that uh, basically, and, and again, it could be self-serving because he's the CEO of Ledger, but he alleges that no phone right now is safe from having anybody using a zero-day exploit be able to take everything, every piece of crypto that they own off of their phone. And this conversation was, was alarming in several aspects. He, he says that they show how uh, <clears throat> you can basically buy these it's open source code that you can go to github and get and basically if i were to send you a text message you wouldn't even have to open it click a link do anything i instantly have access to your phone and i can get any pri i can open up your metamask i can Take your private keys and I can go drain your wallet. And he said, this is true of Apple. This is true of Android. This is true of every mobile maker out there. And he said that there is uh, not a lot of awareness around that. Um, they're looking right now that the next iteration of Ledger, what he said is not going to be a hardware wallet in theory. It's going to be baked into the cell phones. It is going to be part of the chipset. It'll be integrated into the system so that nobody can use anything to crack the encryption to get into that phone. He said, and there, therein lies the problem. Because he said if if companies like Apple or Microsoft or any of these companies who who run the software don't allow the hardware level to be bumped into security, all they're doing is leaving a giant hole for everybody to get their wallets drained. Okay, let's let's stop while you're ahead here because you got a lot 
uh, here. I know it was a lot, but I wanted, I know you didn't read the article, so I wanted to give you as much context as I could. So I get the sense, actually, what they're talking about is maybe a MetaMask wallet on your phone, correct? Any, he said any wallet that's not protected by a hardware wallet. Right. It could okay. be Trust Wallet. It could be right. MetaMask. It could be anything. So he, he might be talking, he might be mentioning that, that phones are extremely hackable. And no matter what you get with a hardware wallet, that just the phones by their very design and the way the operating systems have have sussed out and stuff that they're extremely hackable that's yes. probably a valid point uh just i would like to say that i've never ever 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 put a metamask on my phone um i did <laughs> but not for that reason i just i figured my phone could be stolen and then i didn't want somebody to be able to get into it and i've only really ever used uh hardware wallets like like ledger um so the, the thing about what makes Ledger so secure or a hardware wallet so secure is it's a, a hardware wallet is really just a computer that serves up a, a crypto key that's designed to be hacked or, or designed to resist or just not be hacked. Um, it's designed to do one thing and do that thing securely. You can't do any other tricks to get around it it's there's only one way in and one way out and in the case of a lot of hardware wallets it's just the screen if you see it on the screen whatever the screen shows um you can put that separate computer inside of a of a phone as long as it you know has a separate place on the motherboard and stuff like that you could it could be a separate computer so you can have your ledger on the phone preferably that ledger should have its own screen because the uh the phone in and of itself could be programmed to lie or could be hacked and lie about what the ledger is actually telling you, thus making well, the ledger kind of useless. That's why I was so long winded. Uh, that's what I was trying to explain. It's going to the way that he's describing it. He's they're developing. Basically, in addition to the chipset of the phone, which will which will give not only the software for the phone, whether it be Android or iOS, to use the same ledger security so it can't be cracked, or, and or I should say, integrating the hardware wallet for crypto into that chipset. So it's all one big giant, your phone is basically a giant ledger itself. So I heard about, I actually heard about something like this being done by Samsung years ago back in 2018 uh let's see samsung hardware wallet that's the knox that's the knox system that they have oh really yeah that uh, i i told you i had the first galaxy phone they called it the samsung fascinate and uh that was where i learned how to uh wipe the phone and install custom roms and how to how to do the coding around that stuff. So I did learn that. And once Knox came out, I read extensively about that because it made it extraordinarily difficult to root the phone and uh, to put custom ROMs onto it. So that's when I migrated away from Samsung. Now, I love the security, don't get me wrong, but I enjoyed the customization far better. So I did move away at that point. But that Knox system is kind of the same thing that 
that Pascal was talking about on on there. It'll be a literally baked into the hardware so that not only is the phone secure, but the wallet adds an additional layer of security using that first layer to help buffer the second. I, the host of the podcast was just blown away because he had no idea how easy it was. And he says, I can, I can literally in less than 30 seconds be in your phone if I really wanted to. You can put passwords, you can put your face ID, you can do whatever you want, does not matter. All I have to do is send you a text message. You don't even have to open it. Hmm. That's that's why he that's why that big Apple thing happened a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you remember from the Gala Discord. It's called a, a zero day exploit. And well, some are worse than others. But it basically you don't have to do anything. You just have to because you have a phone number, if I send you a text, it could sit, you could delete it, you can not read it, it does not matter. I am literally in your phone the instant that that text message hits your phone. And that was that was just, uh, I was floored. Right, a zero and he's exploit like, is, a, is a type of attack, just to let you know, it's not that's the attack, but it's a type of attack. Well, yeah, so that just and he said he goes we we documented on Ledger. It's not like it, this is hidden. And I'm like, "What?" You know, I haven't circled back to that cuz I've been busy until we got on Faz Radio. But uh I've wh that's where they're going with this and and <clears throat> the security. So when I made my comment a couple of weeks ago about, you know, it's it's probably, you know, the vast majority of people just being stupid. Now I've got to eat my hat on that one because if it's that easy as Pascal is saying it is, I mean, geez, anybody can can be exploited almost instantly. Well, your any any crypto stuff that you keep on your phone, yes. If you have a hardware wallet that's somehow associated with your phone, well, you know, you'll still need to like get the information from your hardware wallet to your phone. Well, that's that's where the the Nano X comes in with the Bluetooth. You can hook up your MetaMask, you know, via Bluetooth to and your so, phone. And so basically what they when the reason that these hardware wallets have their own separate screens because they know that their screen can't get hacked, but the phone can. So if you were to, I don't know, send some crypto to Faz and say, okay, well, I know that this is Faz wallet, Faz's wallet. Okay, here we go. I'm going to send it. And then your hardware wallet says this is going to Faz wallet. The phone might say it's going to, to Faz's wallet too, but it's going to go someplace else instead. Well, the hardware wallet and the phone have to agree. So that's when you'd come in and you'd say, okay, I see this on the phone. I see this on the hardware wallet. It can go out. But if they're trying to get you to send it somewhere else, like I'm going to send it to Titan's wallet, but I'm going to show Faz's wallet. The hardware wallet is going to show Titan's wallet address, and then that's where you're going to you're going to catch it because you got to approve it on on the the hardware. I'm curious how that they would how they might integrate those two separate computers into a single phone if you're using the same buttons <laughs> to to uh, to to work them both. 
Yeah, he he was he was pretty uh, excited about that, and he says it's a year or two out before they'll be able to offer that. And he said it'll it'll be difficult to get the phone companies to agree to that. Well, because you're asking, um, you're going to have to ask the phone to put something in the phone that they themselves cannot defeat. Right, and that was that that opened up another big can of worms. So. Yeah, can you can you so then of course the the next thing they'll want to know is okay, well I would like to look at this this software. I'd like the key to the software so that I'd be able to test everything on it. Well, you can't, not with a not with a ledger. If you if you put a if you stamp a photo a, a ledger into a a phone, then a ledger's got to be a ledger, which means they can't control it. Okay. Um maybe they'll have to get some other assurance like come to our factory and see how we make them. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I thought that was fascinating. And I thought, hey, you know, first of all, this is fantastic for security. But B, you know, getting getting these phone companies, especially an Apple who prides themselves on their own security, buying into that, that's going to be a very hard sell. So now that the kind of the cat's out of the bag and, and Pascal is really pushing hard for this and people are learning about this and the public pressure will be there to do it. How's that going to play out? Who's he, who's this guy again? Nobody knows what the, the C- fuck a ledger ledger nano is. Yeah. I mean, so it's the, the ordinary everyday person doesn't know what a crypto wallet is. I, I do keep reading though, that, that uh, 60% of the people in the United States have, have crypto, but somehow I doubt that maybe, maybe they, most of them have a Coinbase account. I don't. I don't think sixty percent of the people in the United States know what the hell a, a Ledger Nano is or a hardware wallet. <clears throat> I think they're doing fuzzy math. Or they're doing meaning network TV do- math. Well, right to where they say, mm-hmm. okay, well, there's X number of addresses, so each person has an address, and that equals sixty percent. Well, I mean, personally, I think I have probably a good 50 or 60 addresses. So yeah, that kind of shoots your, that Just try doing down. your crypto taxes one year and you'll find out how many addresses you have. <laughs> right. So I'm wondering if they're not using that as just fuzzy math to, to claim that 60% because I don't buy that either. I think it's more like 15 to 20%. 15 max. I mean, it's the, the everybody, every single person I know, uh, um, other than crypto people, which basically is my family and all the friends I grew up with and stuff like that, I think I'm the only one that uh, that has a hardware wallet, and I think one or two of them have a Coinbase account. Uh, you know, and that's I. I have an average number of friends, which is about 200 people. By the time they get to my age, they have at least 200 acquaintances and friends. Um, most people are like crypto's a scam. They they still. That's what the that's what the government is is uh is is depending on. That's why whenever you hear them in in uh, congressional hearings, like Jamie Demon, <laughs> Demon, uh, Jamie Diamond, <laughs> um, was that a dad joke? Uh, Jamie yeah. Diamond in in Congress, where he was just railing on Bitcoin by saying it was a Ponzi, it was this, it was that. He's saying the same thing that my friends are, and what do they all know something that I don't know? Um, I've learned more about banking 
in the years that I've gotten into crypto than I've ever known for my entire life. And I'm 50 now. So I've learned more about banking in just the, the last few years than I've, I've ever known. And I'm having a hard time believing that my friends would know that much about banking, because if they did know as much about banking as, as I've learned, they would be livid at how fucked they were by, by fiat money. Forget crypto, whether crypto is better or not. It's just knowing the level of fucked you are with, with crypto, with, with, with fiat money is just unbelievable. So don't tell me that that, that method is better than, than, than crypto. Crypto just needs adoption. Okay, if it doesn't get adoption, you're still fucked with fiat. And now, and now you're going to say crypto is worse? Oh, come on. It's new. That's about That's the worst you can say. I think so. I I think I think the adoption is becoming easier now that it's like being talked about so much. I think I think I I don't think there's any going back. I think it'll just be slow. Yeah, I I I think yeah, it's I think crypto is a lot like the steam engine. You you're not going to they're not the steam engine isn't going to get uninvented. It's just going to take a while before it actually gets in use. Agreed. What other topics did you have? That's all I wanted to say. That just that blew well, my mind. That podcast today. We've been we've been talking for an hour and a half. Uh, I actually have we really? Holy yeah. cow! Well, we you've been gone all week, so we haven't had a chance to talk. So we've been running at the yips here. Well, some things I else I wanted to talk about, which I probably won't. We could always do another one tomorrow or something. X, maybe XRP XRP finally going up. Uh, yeah, and, uh, some thoughts about the ETH merge, but the ETH merge needs to be tomorrow at least. Oh, we'll just talk about XRP. That's that's my the coin I started with and my favorite coin. Um, basically, what's that? Uh, both Ripple and the SEC have filed their motions for summary judgment or for final judgment mm -hmm. or whatever. Just kind of hurry things up a little bit. And the SEC's case boiled down to, um, uh, but Ripple did something wrong. They told people that they would make money. And uh, Ripple hit below the belt. Basically, they, they went and cited chapter and verse on how all the laws worked, all, all the securities laws were imagined, how they were, how they were designed, what the fuck a security was, how securities work. And so one of them looks like somebody writing in crayon and the other one, the, the ripples response looks like something you'd bring to the Supreme court. <laughs> very well done and very well researched. And it's becoming very clear, even to the stupid people out there that the sec might not be gonna, <laughs> might not gonna win this one. So there was a big debate on that, that I, I probably scrolled. There was a, it was on Twitter. And I probably scrolled through two to three hundred uh, responses to that very question, uh, arguing uh, settlement versus outright loss. And the the prevailing uh, wisdom of crypto Twitter, and you can define that and look at that and judge it however you want, was that the whole point of this was to get to a conclusion and there will not be a settlement 
even if the SEC acknowledges that uh, it's not a security. Well, Ripple Ripple's intention is to, is to get a conclusion that they can have a fucking right. business. <laughs> All they want is just to have a business going forward. And so they want some sort of conclusion and they have the money and they have the, the talent to be able to drag this case on for as long as possible. The SEC is, has always been just pushing for time, waiting for the government, you know, they're just pushing for time so they can get their government shenanigans in place to either slow down or stop XRP. So I did read that Netburn could take up to nine months to make a decision. Do you think uh, she'll wait that long? Oh, I don't, I don't have any, any knowledge about that. I'm not really a lawyer. Um, she seems to be really just from what I've read on this over time, she really seems to be no nonsense and hasn't bought the SEC's bullshit and has ruled on things fairly quickly. Well, the SEC so, just happens to have been contradictory in, in a lot of the stuff it says. They, 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 they're arguing in bad faith. They're not even, they're, they're, they're not, they're, they're, they're not really acting very serious about this. They're making it very obvious that they're pushing for time and that they're, they're running out every clock they can. They know they've lost. So I, I don't know. Uh, it's I don't know how judges work or, or why she might what, what she might do. All I know is that it's it's obvious that the SEC has lost and they're just my, my thought is the SEC, as soon as they lose, they're just they're the, the very same day or the next day. They're going to appeal it up to another level. Maybe maybe Judge Netburn wants to make things more appeal proof. It could be. I would hope so. I don't want to see this drag out any further because uh, they do that. Well, yeah, but I mean that that clarity will be crystal clear uh, uh, if they lose this case and I, people I, will I, go. I caution against saying words like that. Who knows? I think they will get as little clarity as possible and Ripple will get as much clarity as they can. I mean, it could end up being mixed. It could be, well, Ripple got a win and the SEC got to hide some more information. You know, well, they obviously are hiding a lot. Well, they're, they're, afra they're afraid that if people saw how they deliberated the XRP stuff, that, well, they're afraid of not being able to control things. So that's why they don't they don't want to share any of their, their all their deliberations, the, the emails and stuff like that. Then they can't control. Yeah, it gives people a clue. Well, yeah, it gives people a clue on how to avoid it. Well, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know what the judge would do, but I, I think the the SEC is going to get as much currency and as much time as they can. And if they lose this, then they're just going to just fold it into something else, and uh, you know, make that take a long time. Yikes. Anyway, you know, so that's <laughs> anyway. So people people seem to to be starting to see through the SEC's bullshit. I think that's why XRP is going up. But then again, it could be one of those things where somebody what pumps the price because they know that people are paying attention to XRP. I think it's because they're with those settlement briefs filed. There is a window now 
where there will be a decision, whereas before there wasn't. And I think most people think along your lines saying, you know, the SEC screwed themselves completely and it's going to be very, very, very difficult for the SEC to pull any type of even close to a win, even partially out of this. Oh, it's it's there, there. I'm sure that they'll be able to save face somehow. You 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 know things are lost when they start calling you know Ripple the evil empire or something like that. You once 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 they start losing, the gloves will come off. Once once they really start losing control, the gloves will come off. It'll be a political subject. Crypto will become political, just like everything else has become political. And then the the, the court of public opinion will will have to, to suss through it. <laughs> crypto hasn't gotten overly political yet it's somewhat political but it's uh as soon as it shows up in a presidential you know race then, then you know the gloves have come off when when both sides are carefully weighing their responses to it i think that's sooner rather than later and in fact There's... i i predict the uh the republicans who who while trump was in in office we're against crypto. The Republicans are now going to be for crypto. Why? Well, they are. They, they've already been saying that. And that's because the Democrats are not for crypto. <laughs> and so the Democrats are now trying to make it seem a little bit vague, like, well, we're just uh, trying to approach this, you know, smartly. We want to make sure nobody gets hurt. And so I, I think the, the Republicans are going to go full-throated crypto, crypto all the way. And Democrats are then going to have to simplify their message to no crypto, no way, you know. Oh, I I predict that'll be what happens. And if I'm wrong, oh well, points don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's all I had. Uh, since we're going so long here, we should probably save something for a second show. That's right. All right. I'm getting tired. Yes, demology. Ninety percent of people are definitely not financial literate. Hundred percent agree with that. Once you become financial literate, then you become pissed. <laughs> well, you you start to see how it how it works, and once once the the as you always say, the man behind the curtain pops out. Oh my goodness, people go, what in the hell have I been thinking for the past twenty years? Oh no 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 no! Most people don't like to know that they've. Didn't Mark Twain say that you that that uh, people people are more in. <laughs> Uh, people don't like to know that they've been fooled. Um, I forgot the quote now. Never mind. Um, well, either way, either way, Herbert uh, Schmeckel is going to win. Oh, it's easier to fool someone than it is to convince them that they've been fooled. Nobody, a lot of people don't come out and say, oh, my God, I was fooled for so long. No, they'll just come up with some other reason to why they weren't fooled. And if for some reason they were fooled, it's because, I don't know, some side was was you know, trying to fool them. Well, I'll, I'm sorry to break it to you, but that side was about a hundred or so years ago. And it was our, you know, our own fiat money system. Well, our own monetary system, our, our fiat monetary system in the United States came out, came about in 1971 or was it 73? One of those two. But that was supposed to be temporary too. Was it? Is that yeah. what Nixon said? Yep, Nixon Nixon was calling for a temporary 
which of course is still temporary today. <laughs> well, haven't a lot of other countries gone more? Haven't a lot of other countries gone to the fiat system now too? Uh, yes. And I think now I, I, I am not an expert, but I did ask the question when we had, uh, a guest on, uh, and I did ask that question. I asked, you know, is that what this Bretton Woods and Brexit and all that kind of stuff is, is getting that, that backing back to it. And I guess that does fold into it. So, uh, that, that is a highly, highly contentious subject because you you do have that monetary policy even if they were to say okay like today right they go okay they come out and say we are backing the u.s dollar with gold again well gold is not as scarce as people would think gold is only as scarce is as as fast as it can come out of the ground and they can bring it out of the ground a lot faster than they they make you believe they well, can. Well, I know diamonds aren't scarce. Uh, diamonds right. diamonds have been owned by pretty much monopolized by the De Beers company for about a hundred years. As far as gold, I mean the the entire inside of the, the planet Earth could be made of gold. We wouldn't know it. Um, but yeah, it's it's the gold scarcity really has a lot to do with how quickly we can get it out of the ground and in it makes itself around the world and they hold that back i mean xrp detroit makes a really good point you know rome was the collapse of the first fiat system and it well okay so if, if you look back into history there's ebb and flow and there's rome, waves that rome had a definitely fiat system? See. i didn't know rome a type had it was a type of fiat system yes it wasn't directly fiat like it is today but it was very similar to the system that we have today um so when you look at these cycles of these of these empires collapsing and you you dig into the why behind the why the vast majority of cases the first thing that failed was whatever currency system that that empire had began to fail mm, and empires also had multiple currency systems too well every roman sort of. every roman uh caesar every every roman king had a uh had their own coins with their own head on it they they alternately bankrupted the treasury and then they went and knocked over other countries to to take their money so they can get their their money back and my understanding was that it wasn't exactly fiat based or if it wasn't, it wasn't. Per, it wasn't for long. It was fiat-like. They they changed the dynamic to whatever suited them. So if, if you remember back to those, uh, let's use Rome. Let's use the Roman coins, right? So it started to where they would dilute that that copper coin. Instead of being 100% copper, then it was 90% copper, and they'd put a filler material in there. Uh, the gold coins would degrade from you know 99% gold to, by the time it was done, uh, half gold. 
And then they took it a step further and they started putting creases in that money to where you could break off a piece of that money that was already diluted and use just a portion of that because the portion, as long as it had the part of the official seal on it, it was recognized as money. So did, did the fiat system is basically just creating money out of thin air. So did they in fact create money out of thin air by diluting the precious metal that was in there by creating ways to break that money apart? Absolutely. And if whatever Caesar or whatever leader for whatever empire you want to talk about wanted to create more wealth for themselves, they just printed more money. They made more of that money, which the the people out th back then didn't realize what the effect of that would be. You mean like people now where th this is what really got me uh, during during covid um, I'm sure other countries did it too, but I know that uh, the U.S. government printed trillions upon trillions of dollars. Um, and they actually did it for some fairly good reasons. They didn't want the banking system to, to, uh, to collapse. Okay, but then they basically did the nuclear option. They printed up all that stuff and the banking system didn't collapse. However, now they have to pay it all back. Um, I think the federal government right now since it's the the other party that's that's in power is trying to fix or rather unfuck which which has been fucked but i mean they're still going to irresponsibly deal with the money uh they're, they're still gonna they're still gonna fuck it over it's still gonna it's still gonna get inflated and it's still gonna get replaced and eventually something else has got to change but they want to make sure that they are the ones in charge doing that they, they don't well, want people it's the central bank, right? So the, the way that money is created is that the, the U.S. government goes to the central bank and says, I want to print a trillion dollars. And in return, we're going we're gonna to hand the central bank one trillion U.S. bonds, treasury bonds. And that that is the exchange of the the money and how that money is created so then the central bank goes out and it sells these treasuries to get some of that money back that's the collateral for that that transaction and the problem is is that people are getting wrecked in these treasury bonds nobody wants them at 2% interest are you crazy no one's going to buy those things and it just so happens that this is where you get into that deeper economics, right? Because China comes in and swoops in and does the exact same type of exchange with a different central bank that then converts the yuan into uh, those bonds, which then creates the bonds that go back to the U.S., and now you have two sets of entirely different bonds. And so when, when you hear about that threat of China calling in those bonds and wrecking the U.S. economy because they own hundreds of billions, if not trillions in those bonds, if they call those bonds back in, this chain effect takes place and the central bank ends up with nothing. And who do you think they're going to come knocking on the door to? Oh, it's not going to be China. Gonna... 
China, first of all, China can't call in those bonds. And what you just described. Oh, they can. What you've just described is the equivalent of a Mexican standoff. No, you're going to kill yourself if you if you try to call that in. I'm sorry. China is not well, going to win if they, quote, call anything in. The United States can simply cite national security and not pay it. I mean, come on. Give me a break. Well, I didn't say they would win. I just said they could cause some serious, serious problems. Because all of this is is based on, again, back to the to the words right on the money, the faith and credit of the United States government. And really, all that means is a promise from the politicians that you can hardly believe what comes out of their mouth on a regular basis anyway. So that creates a big problem, whereas your tokens and your coins, there's there's tangible things that you can point to that show the value of that. And it takes it away from that. No bonds have to be issued for that. Oh, Deep this, economics. We need an economics channel because I don't think people understand that. <laughs> no, I, I was just taking a breather because I was running at the yip for quite a while there. Well, we've been trying to end this for quite a while, so we should just go ahead and end it. Yeah, we always do this. We say we're going to end it, and then we talk for like 20 minutes. It's it's like when, when you're at work, and you've been talking in front of the water cooler for quite a while now, and you're like, okay, i got to get back to work. And then you talk about something else, and then you're still out there, but there's no boss to stop us. So <laughs> uh, That's cool. That's cool. It's all good. I, I, think, I think people... There's probably a lot of people who are crypto wizards and just <laughs> so smart with this stuff that still don't understand how money works and how economies are created and doesn't understand like XRP was talking about with the, the history of money it's, and, it's and becoming how that apparent, all came about. It's becoming apparent that even economists don't know how money works. They understand on one level how money works. Because we're so separated, because fiat separates you so much from the actual economics of how money is created, um, it's hard to even include that. You're, you, you always just talk about the result of money being created. Uh, my understanding is that fiat money is created by loans from banks. When a bank loans you money, they've created that money. And then as you pay that uh, and so that gives them an ability to pull money from you. Now, that's not real money. That's temporary money, because when you pay off the loan, the money disappears like uh, like into a puff of logic. But you paid interest on that loan. That's real money. That's that's the actual money created because you gave real money to that bank. Where'd that money come from? I mean, and, and so you, you get this this endless set of, of loops. Where did this money come from? Where did that money come from? Um, and it, yeah, it there's all... multiple ways to create money. It's not just one way through a central bank. There's there's a variety of ways that money is created. Well, there's it's a really deep subject. But if you start talking about what people think is money, when it, when a bank creates a loan, people think, oh, that's real money. No, it's not. They were just empowered to just lie and they don't the banks don't actually have the money that they loan you come on they just get it from other people no no they well what they do is is they go within the rules of the system they can go 12 times 
the amount of deposits they have, which is why banks require direct deposit. Because when someone, all these people, millions of people go out and they do their direct deposit, those show as credits to the bank, which then they can loan out 12 times that amount on a regular basis. That's their reserve. That's what creates that reserve. That's the whole reason they make that direct deposit a mandatory thing. That is what gives them the power to create as much new money as, as possible. Okay. Can you, so, can you explain, uh, once you're done with that, I'm curious about something. Oh, no, it's, it's just, it's called fractional reserve banking, right? So, um, add we'll use that, nice, easy numbers. Add to that rehypothecation. Can you explain that one? Yeah, I can explain that. It'll take a while. So I'll, I'll give you the short version. So um, there's two layers, and, and actually there's about six layers, but we'll hit those two layers. So uh, let's just say a nice big company like Tesla, and let's say they have their own credit union to make things simple. And they have, to be a member of that credit union, you have to direct deposit your... Uh, paycheck on a weekly basis to that credit union. So they get $3 million every Friday, right? So they can, that, that credit union then has $3 million worth of deposits that week. So for the next week, they can loan out up to $36 million, 12 times the amount that you have in deposits. So all the home loans, auto loans, everything, CD, interest rates, the whole nine yards that they pull out of nothing uh, is that imaginary amount, right? And so once they do that, that also shows up as a credit, right? So then that credit, ta they take the rehypothecation, and I always have a hard time saying that word, and I'm, not Re because I'm drinking. Rehypothecation. Like as in hypothesis, as in not real. Go ahead. Yeah. They, they then take those excess reserve dollars and that fake made up money and they sell that to another bank who then takes that phantom money and applies that to their balance sheet, which then creates more money and they pay an interest rate to the first bank for that, which then that interest rate comes back to the bank in the form of a new deposit, which means they can then take and layer up another 12 times that interest that they get back. And when oh you're talking God, about times the first time and then 12 times the second 12 time, times the second time. Right. So you're talking about, and, and this isn't like, you know, Sounds 50 like a bucks. fucking mob, man. Okay. By the way, if this any is, of you guys lost track, you can just rewind and go back and, and listen to that. Well, I'm serious. And this is why you look on, on Twitter or you look anywhere else or you listen to people that are really smart, they'll say it's a Ponzi scheme. And that's exactly why it's a Ponzi scheme. They literally just shuffle deposits, credits, and debits back and forth amongst themselves. And then you, we're not even talking about the layer with the Fed funds rate, right? So where they borrow from the Federal Reserve to make sure their minimums are met, and they're able to keep enough in reserve to keep the loans out. That's what happened in 2008 is they loaned out so much money, especially to these homes, that they had to borrow from the Fed to keep their reserves at a level to keep that, that 
12 times amount right there. And they couldn't do it and everything collapsed. And all that whole pyramid of, of the rehypothenication, I'm never going to say that right. Yeah. Uh, all of that just collapsed upon itself. And it seems to follow about a 20 year cycle. All right. If you look back in history, when there was these huge financial collapses, it's about every 20 years that that happens. It never ends and it goes back as far as you can think. And what they're trying to do now is do that with Bitcoin. It's kind of funny because you can still you can rehypothecate actual assets just as well as you could do the, the made up bullshit. The made up bullshit is, is a bit more of a stretch. It's actually easier to understand rehypothecating Bitcoin because you have some absolute you have an absolute limit at the bottom somewhere. But then again, can't you just using existing rules just invent Bitcoin too? If you're a bank. Well, that's that's a huge can of worms because exchanges are being accused of that now, not actually having the Bitcoin to sell you they they sell you phantom bitcoin hoping you're not going to pull it out but you have another interesting uh dichotomy here all right so you have these the like we've talked about this before you notice that these banks don't have the authority or the license or whatever you term you want to call it to custody crypto this is one of the biggest reasons why they're having such a hard time custodying crypto because the bank goes, well, listen, jackass, if somebody puts a hundred Bitcoin in our custody, we're going to count that as a deposit and we're going to loan out 12 times the value of that. And then they go, well, wait a minute. The price of Bitcoin fluctuates which is going to create basically the bank is going to be a margin account with their with their rehypothecation as they as they go through that but also they're going to have to rely heavily heavily on the fed to pull money to make sure that they as the price of bitcoin goes up and down is able to keep that reserve level to where they're outstanding 12 times reserves that reserve requirement is met so that's why they're holding off on this because that could actually send banks into bankruptcy in literally 10 seconds if there's a huge spike somewhere so the the complexity of this is is literally mind-blowing because that's how banks operate. They can fuck and themselves six ways to Sunday. They but can. They're doing, they're doing it anyway. And and this is why people say that Bitcoin is the most world's most perfect money. You can't do that in the Bitcoin network. You can take Bitcoin and put it into the DeFi space and maybe take a loan on it or rehypothenticate it or... Um, use your, your, you. your fiat. I know, right. I'm, I told you, I'm never going to get it or use that fiat mentality where they take in that Bitcoin kind of like Celsius got in trouble with take that Bitcoin and then loan out more than, than is required. But that's on the DeFi side. You cannot do that on the Bitcoin network. So that 
that is why they say it's the hardest money out there and it's the most perfect form of money. You cannot fuck it up on the Bitcoin network. You have to take it outside that network to fuck it up. Whereas DeFi... You You sound like a maxi. Well, that's why DeFi is such a monkey fuck right now because you can do whatever you want with whatever token. And behind the scenes, people look and they're like, oh, I can get 15% on my USDT. Hell yeah, I'm in. And they put it in there. And then next thing they know, the the company that they they put that, that custody with is loaning out a ton. And it's all that fake fiat USDT. And they get away with it. And I but, am kind of a maxi on, on the hard money by, thing. Yeah. By the way, the only the only uh, uh, DeFi-ish kind of thing that, that Titan approves of is GUSD, by the way. You, you want to explain that? I do. Yeah, so my thoughts on that, if you're going to choose a stable coin, um, my opinion, and it's my opinion only, please do not take this as the gospel, right? So after being in uh, financial planning for over a decade, it is known far and wide, up and down, as a as a staple and a rule that New York, the state of New York, is the toughest regulator of money. Period. There, they require. I mean, it's like freaking ridiculous the hard line they take on making sure if you say that you have this in reserves no fuck you prove it and until you prove it you're not selling anything they're hard they're they're tight they're tough gemini us dollar which is gusd gemini is licensed and run from new york so to me that would imply that they are the safest of these stable coins because when Gemini states, which they do, or at least they did the last time I checked, I, I can't say that that's the same today because I haven't looked in a while. But last time I looked, they guarantee it's one to one, meaning one GUSD means one dollar is of USD actual physical money is deposited somewhere one to one. The, New York holds them to that. The, you, they can't bullshit. They can't play games. They can't pay bribes. They can't do anything. New York will hold them to that. So while you have your mystery around USDC, USDT, all these other weird um, stable coins that it turns out that when you audit them, they end up with half of their money in commercial paper investments. I trust the state of New York because I've dealt with them before in the securities industry. They do not fuck around. So if I'm going to take a stable coin personally from from Titan's wallet, if I'm going to invest in a stable coin, it's going to be GUSD. Well, then how do... Okay, they're giving like 7% interest back. How the fuck are they doing that? It doesn't have to be GUSD that they're that they're loaning out in order to generate that yield. They're sitting on a ridiculous stack of Bitcoin. They're they're primarily focused on Bitcoin. So they may be leveraging Bitcoin. They may be leveraging all the other tokens they have on there. 
which helps pay for the GUSD, um, those interest rates. They are, I'm sure, loaning out GUSD. But again, that reserve has to be maintained at one-to-one. That's what they state. New York will hold them to it. So if they do take GUSD and loan that out, they need to make more USD deposits to equal what they've loaned out. So can can they have a Celsius or a Luna happen to them? Mm, for GUSD, I doubt it. For any of their others, I don't know because I haven't dug that deep into it with the other tokens. Well, I was just saying if, if I could put, got $100 million of GUSD, can I take it to the bank that I'll get that back in the worst market known to man? I think that if it came to a liquidation, because they say they're one-to-one, the state of New York makes sure they are one-to-one. So I would I would say your odds are, any per, are any, extraordinarily high. Any person on the planet with GUSD, because you can you can hold GUSD, GUSD in your private wallet. Mm-hmm. You can. And if you redeem those, we you'll be get- able to redeem one-to-one. I'd love to be able to get uh, those Gemini guys on to talk to us, but figure the odds. The Winklevi? The Winklevi. All the Winklevi. You know what? Uh, I'm an asshat like that. I'll send them a message and see if they'll come on. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you'll get a prompt response from them. You'd be surprised. They're actually pretty approachable. Hey, hey, if you you can vouch for them, we'll talk to them. Uh, what's the demology says, but looking at GUSD, they're depegged pretty much all the time. They have yeah. to be because because of that reserve requirement. So every stable coin is going to isn't, isn't Wait, wait, it isn't pegging to the dollar means you're one to one with the dollar, right? And you just said that they have to require that they're one to one with a dollar. That's right. They have 72 hours to make that up, though. They It's a rolling... 72 hour period so it could depeg for 72 hours do you know how fast money goes in and out of gusd it's very difficult to keep that pegged and their reserve requirements they have 72 hours to make sure that those are uh pegged one to one i'm gonna look up gusd coin gecko I, i like coin gecko i don't like their ui I think they have good information, but I just I their UI just turns me off. I use Coin Market Cap more than Coin. Yeah, Gecko. I don't. <laughs> okay, share. Let's see, share screen, and then after this, I really will go. I really mean it. Yeah, we we do. We're we're over two hours already. I know. Who who listens to us after two hours? Three people. See, we got three people there. Well. And well, shit, I'm the one that goes through and puts the goddamn chapters on these things. It's going to take me at least an hour at double speed. I'm perfectly fine with that. Okay. Uh, GUSD. Yeah. Let's see. Dollar one. They're a dollar. DPEG, DPEG, DPEG. What's a DPEG? I mean, it's. What's that? What's that really mean? Is this a DPEG way down here at 97 cents? (laughs) 97 cents. Yes. Shitting their drawers there. they, They give them. Oh, Demology, it's 5 a.m. there. Oh, dear God, thank you for listening. Um, He's been listening so, to us since 3 a.m.? Oh, my God, do you have a life, Demology? Oh, sorry, I don't want to ever insult a, a listener. 
Well, you're not insulting him, but maybe he's doing the. It, uh, it is. It maybe is. he's doing I, the midwatch or something. The mid, midnight shift. Oh, I'm I actually not the hell sharing I was the screen. Saying. I thought I was. Hold on, hold on. I want to share the screen. Oh, and then I gotta go. Depegging. So depegging, you you do have a range, right? So if you're point nine nine six, you're not depegged. If you go to point nine seven, you're depegged. Okay. But how long was that? You see how it shoots right back up? Like right where your mouse is right there while I'm following along. Yeah. So it, it's like instantly back up, right? There are times where it'll hover down in that point. Well, yeah, C.9996, that's not one over here. There's one over here. Hold on. Right, let's see. 9998. Nine eight six is getting close to depegging. Some of those bottom arrows, yeah, that's that's tough. Let's look in the past here. Let's go. To There's the one here. right there. Yeah. Where? Look at that big one on the left. That's in twelve March twenty twenty. We all remember that day. Yeah. That's when the bottom fell out of the market. Yep, and it was there for probably an hour, and then it <laughs> popped right back up. Go do this. Yeah. Hey, I didn't do that. What the hell? Hour two, something like that. Okay. Well, you might have a point. So you're trying to say that uh, somehow it will get it will get it will get fixed because they actually have the dollars to to keep that. They stuff have the dollars to do it. Yes. So. Nothing is 100%. We know that, right? But you have to pick the lowest risk. And to me, based on my history and what, what I believe in and what I know, anything that's based in New York, it just so happens, I'm not a, a particular fan so much of Gemini's uh, platform or Gemini dollar or anything. Anything that's based in New York I have way more faith in than a stable coin that's based anywhere else. Even as a, as a security, uh, from a security outlook, they're required in New York, other states let them slide if there's <clears throat> a little paper bag with some, some weight to it uh, that's passed across the desk, will let people slide on, on regulations, right? New York, I'm telling you, they do not fuck around, period. There is no fucking around. And uh, mafia capital of the world and whatever you want to call it, there is no fucking around when it comes to money uh, and finance and security and stuff like that. They will shut you down in a New York minute if you try and scam that system whatsoever. And... I put a lot of faith in that because I've seen it happen. And I know how hard it is to get registered in New York to maintain that registration. There's regulators constantly scrutinizing everything. And audits have to be audits, not half-ass audits like in some places. So I do. I trust anything New York. Gemini happens to be in New York. GUSD happens to be with Gemini who's in New York. So I absolutely trust them way more than anybody else. Okay. Now that was a big long story time with Uncle Titan. 
Yes. We're going to we're going to get going cuz it's late and I want to go to bed because I've gotten myself to going to bed. Got myself to a habit of going to bed early instead of really late. So I think Titan will probably stay up later than me tonight even though he's 3 hours ahead of me. Yeah, anyway, and I I got like no sleep. All right. So thank you guys very much for coming by uh, and listening to us. Uh, most people will be coming by after it's live, I see. That's okay. Uh, thank you guys for, for listening, and uh, we had a fun time talking. Talk to you later. Thanks. I got to find that button here on StreamYard to make the uh, Faz Radio music play again. Is it? Yeah, but it's slow. There we go. There we go. Jam it out. I got to mute Titan or else he's going to try and sing along. <laughs>